What's up, Rock Church? I can't tell you how excited I am to introduce to you uh, my brother and sister from another mother, Montel and Christian Jordan. They did our marriage conference last year. It was the best marriage conference we've ever had. Uh, they got products in the bookstore about marriage and relationships. Please go to the bookstore after um, service. They're executive pastors at Victory World Outreach in Atlanta. I was just there. It was amazing. So I want all of you to stand to your feet. Give a warm, exciting rock welcome to Montel and Kristen Jordan. Hey, hey, hey. What's up? What's Woo! up? Rock Church, how y'all doing? Man, so good to see y'all. East County, San Marcos, San Ysidro, City Heights, all the microsites out there. We want to welcome y'all. Thank y'all. Go ahead. You can take your seats. Absolutely. Woo. Montel and I are so excited to be here. Yeah. We Man. love Pastor Miles and Pastor Debbie. They are some of our very favorite people. They are actually our extended family. And we want to show you some of your extended family. If we're part of your family right now, we want to show you some more of your family. Some you ready? of our family, yeah. So just put our picture up there real quick. This was yes. taken for my 50th birthday. Uh, that's right, I'm half a hundred now. Uh, and uh, we've got our daughter Sydney there on your left and her boyfriend Steven, our 15-year-old son Skylar. He's six foot four, athlete, scholar. Uh, the young lady in front of you, in front of me is Samantha. That's our ladybug. She's six. She's the product of uh, unlimited guacamole in an all-inclusive Real talk. Uh, and then uh, young pretty me over on your right is my, our son Christopher, his wife Catherine, and our first uh, grand. Uh, his name is Cruz Wallace uh, Jordan, and he is awesome, but we are not grandma and grandpa. That is not a thing. We are too young and too fly for that, so I am Mimi. And I'm Big Papa. Because I love it when you call me Big Papa. Some of y'all missed that. You get that on the way. On the way home. But listen, we spent a, a lot of years in the music business as yeah. a recording artist. Uh, Kristen is my manager. Uh, we've seen a lot of highs, number one records, traveled the world, did a lot of different things. Uh, but in that, um, this is the most significant thing that we've ever done in our lives. We made a decision uh, to follow Christ and to uh, be able to do what we do now, to be able to have friends like you and relationships like you and to be able to speak into those things uh, is truly the most significant thing that we've ever done in our lives. So give Give yourselves a round of applause here and on all the campuses because we're glad, we're honored to be able to serve y'all. Uh, we're excited for the message that we get a chance to share with you on today. We believe God has given it to us. We're going to dive right in. So if you have an electronic device with you uh, on silent yes, or man. Bible, uh, <laughs> we're going to be turning momentarily to James chapter one, James chapter, chapter one. one title of the message today is Can We Talk? Uh, shout out to Tevin Campbell. Can we, can we talk? Uh, and we're going to be sharing with you seven do's and don'ts to communication. Yeah. Basically seven things you can do, seven things uh, not to do in communication. I just want to give a disclaimer. Uh, some of this is going to apply to marriage, uh, but we're going to be challenging our singles out there. Yeah, that we are. You're not only going to hear things for couples to do, but you're going to hear things uh, that you uh, should be looking forward to being able to do to better your communication, to better your relationship with God and with others. So looking forward to hearing what God has to say. Let's bow our heads uh, in a word of prayer. Uh, God, your sons and your daughters came here today uh, to hear a word from you. 
So it is our prayer that they listen to us, but they actually hear you. Yes, God. God, we send a special prayer for the person that's here today on any of our campuses uh, who may be here and feel very distant from you. Uh, you're not a distant God. You're very close uh, and you want to make yourself accessible today. So Jesus, reveal yourself to us in a way that's up close and personal and unique and intimate uh, just for us. Uh, and just reach that person in a way that only you know how. And God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 Montel and I believe that effective communication is the cornerstone and the foundational building block for a great marriage or great relationships in Just any facet of life yeah. that you may have. Yeah. And so for us, it's important that we learn how to have this foundation building block. For us, we've learned what we call rocking Rock and chairs, chairs and, and beyond. beyond. Yeah. And if you don't know what rocking chairs and beyond is, it's that little old man and little old woman sitting on the porch drinking coffee in the morning. Hi, baby. How you doing? I'm doing good, baby. How you doing? I'm doing mighty fine. Matter of fact, you're looking mighty fine this morning. Well, girl, out of my good eye, you're looking pretty good yourself. <laughs> so silly. But what this is, is that, guess what? This is a life well lived, right? Yeah. One where you can reflect on the goodness of God and all the things that surround and that God has blessed you with. And that's what we're looking forward to have. And so we're going to get you there with good communication of how to get to rocking chairs how and beyond. How to get to rocking chairs and beyond. So be encouraged. Uh, Kristen and I, this upcoming June 18th, we will have been married uh, 25 years to each other. You got to preface. 25 years to, uh, to each other. Uh, and uh, here's the deal. We still don't have it all figured out. Sure. Uh, but what we do know is communication is a huge part of any, uh, not just marriage, but any relationship, like your friendships. All of those things all revolve around uh, communication. And uh, the challenge is when, when, uh, when crisis arises, when conflict comes, and the Bible doesn't say it may come, conflict will, will come. come. Uh, how do we deal with that? Sometimes some of us deal with conflict in a lot of different ways. Sometimes we're raising our voices. Sometimes we use our volumes at different levels, trying to make sure that our friends, or that our spouse is actually listening to us. Are you listening to me? And here's the deal. Sometimes people can be listening to you and not hearing you. Did you catch that? Yes. Y'all not, uh, I'm not talking too fast. Y'all listen too slow. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> listen, sometimes it really comes down to uh, that place of understanding that there's a difference between listening and hearing. Listen, you can listen to a song and not hear the words. You can listen to a preacher and not hear the message. Hey. Uh, you can listen to a speaker and not hear God. Well, And here's the deal, y'all. Listening is what you do with your ears. Hearing is what you do with your heart. And what we're trying to get to uh, is that in order to resolve conflict, we got to be able to hear with our hearts to determine what it is uh, if we just want to be right or if we actually want resolve. James chapter 1 and verse 19 and 20 says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. And scripture tells us that we have ears to hear, so let us hear. Yeah. So let's start out with the seven don'ts of conflict that we need to avoid. And I want you to know that if you think, oh, I don't have any conflict, I got this, I don't need this. Guess what? You're probably going to find yourself in one of these little points along the way. Mm -hmm. Make it a highlight, look straight ahead, no one will know it's you. That's got right. it? All right. Good. The number one is silence or the silent treatment. Yeah. Many times it's not what's said, but, but what's actually unsaid. what's unsaid yeah. that is the most important thing. I know that it's 
one of those things that we need to um, learn. But for me, I learned in the beginning that I had unrealistic expectations. Who knew? We had unrealistic yeah, expectations. It was, it, was, yeah. it was me? It was you. Okay, whatever. No, I'm just, <laughs> But yes, I had realistic, unrealistic expectations of him, of what I expected in our marriage. And all these things came from things that I learned on TV, things that I learned growing up, of all the things that I thought it was going to be like when we got married, right? So my expectation was I would go to work, I would come home, I would make dinner, we'd sit down, we'd eat, we'd talk about our day, we'd be goo-goo-eyed, and we'd make love. It'd be great every day, right? Not so much. And even though I have mad hamburger helper skills, he was not at home. And so I would continue to make dinner and he would continue to not be home. And so when he didn't show up, but conflict showed up, it reminded me that guess what? This was not what I signed up for. I did not like this. And instead of saying, hey, babe, you know what? When I make dinner, I'd really appreciate it if you, I don't know, show up. I said. She was silent. Nothing. Matter of fact, for two years, not breakfast, not lunch, not dinner, I did not make not a single meal. Did y'all catch that? She's, she stopped cooking for two years. Real talk. It went real silent <laughs> in the house. And you got to understand, literally, we, we had to order meals literally for two years just because that we didn't say something because we were silent on an issue. And literally, okay. babe, we, you know, with the money we spent on food that first two years, uh, we, we could have bought a condo. Or a small island. Or, and Ka- you yeah. know, this is Cali, so we could at least put it. <laughs> we were eating down payment money, basically, is what we were Real doing. Uh, so please understand that being silent uh, is not a good thing. El tratamiento silencioso is no bueno. All right? Mm-hmm. Second thing. Did I just butcher the Spanish language? Did I just butcher it right there? Um, the second thing that does not resolve conflict is shutting down. Yeah. Shutting down. Shutting down, that seeks to take control of a situation. Just, you don't get your way or you, yeah, I'm just going, I'm going to shut down. Here's what that looks like or what that sounds like. Uh, I don't want to talk about this anymore. Uh, it looks like, uh, well, you're going you're gonna to do what you want to do anyway. So what does I think, what, what I think matters? I actually know a, a couple, a guy that would actually say in the relationship, I, I'm shutting, shutting down, down right now. I'm shutting down that. right now. He would verbally say, I'm shutting down right now. And listen, uh, or you can say, you know, I just don't want to deal with the situation right now. And if that's you, like I said, just look straight ahead. Don't blink. Nobody going to know uh, that it's you. Uh, and this is the thing. Once your spouse starts talking like this, really what you hear is Charlie Brown's teacher, right? Right? Shutting so don't down. do that. Don't do that. Number three. Storehousing. 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 Don't do that. This is the space in your heart that grows offense. When we storehouse and when we put these things on the inside of us and we take them in and we just stuff it down deep inside. It basically allows us to be unavailable to our spouse, right? This is like hiding something under a rug and thinking that it, it's going to disappear. That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Matter of fact, if you keep hiding things under the rug, you're going to trip over the things that you've been hiding under there. the rug, right? Because it's still there. This is the thing. We cannot continue to keep the record of our spouse's wrongs, yeah. right? The verse, um, in 1 Corinthians 13 and 5, it says it like this. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. That's right. And what Kristen is saying is that when you are storehousing, you're basically keeping score. Yeah. And listen, if you're keeping score in your marriage, nobody wins. If you're keeping score in your friendships... Nobody wins. Yeah, well, uh, this person t- took us out to eat or this person, all, you know, I'm always paying when we go out. When you are keeping score, nobody wins. Absolutely. All right, the fourth thing that does not help resolve conflict is stockpiling. Stockpiling. 
Stockpiling is what you do with that storage space uh, <laughs> that your heart has left open to, uh, to a harvest that offense. Uh, and when you continue to get into arguments over and over again in your friendships, in your relationships, in your marriage, and it just seems like it's recurrent over and over, over and again, over. that's normally because there's some stockpiling that somebody is building a war chest of offenses up to be able to use uh, against their spouse. Uh, just a quick example of, of what happens when you stockpile. Uh, last summer, you remember oh, this, my, God, uh, my car was yeah, undrivable. My car was undrivable. Literally, there was a stank that was inside of my car. It was unbelievable. I, I thought something crawled up there. It died. I don't know yes. what it was, but it was stanky. Funk of 30,000 years. It was bad. It oh. was literally, listen, I tried uh, Febreze, new car smell, uh, no air freshener. I, I took the downy uh, softeners. I took everything in the car to try and figure out how to get this stank out of my car and realized uh, the stank actually wasn't coming from the inside. The car was coming from the trunk. Mm. Right. So I go into the trunk of the car and I'm like pulling out stuff. I got blankets in there. I got fishing poles and rods and buckets and all types of different things that are tucked down in the trunk of the car. And as I get deep, deep, deep in there, I find. Yes. A, a stanky tuna fish sandwich. Why does it always have to be tuna fish? Kid you That's not. what we, I think. We're going fishing. We packed the lunch. Somehow, sandwich didn't make it out. It's cooking in the trunk of my car, hot Atlanta heat for two months. Yo, you have to understand, it's like 108 degrees in Atlanta. Super, super bad. And and listen, uh, just like this stanky sandwich that was tucked down underneath all that stuff, some of y'all got some junk in your trunk too. Mm. And what you're doing is you are taking those offenses and you're allowing them to be storehouse. You're allowing them to be tucked in. You just keep piling stuff on, on and piling stuff on. And those things rot from the inside out. And you got to understand that if those offenses are going to come, you have to make sure that you are able to dig into that and understand uh, uh, that if you don't deal with the issue, eventually the issue is going to deal with you. True story. If you can't say amen, say ouch. Listen, uh, offense is going to come. But what that means is that uh, when actions happen to you, you have to determine what's on the inside of you. Either uh, love is inside of you to deal with that offense uh, or uh, you're going to have offense at the core. And what that's going to do is cause you to, to lean into whatever that is and how you're going to deal with your spouse or in a friendship or relationship. First Peter chapter four and verse eight says this. Most important of all, mm -hmm. continue to show deep love for each other for love covers, covers a multitude of sins. Love covers. Even when your spouse legitimately sins against you, their action will either be rooted in, you're going to cover it and root it in love, or you're going to expose it and basically uncover them. Yeah. This is the thing. Love covers. Offense uncovers. Watch if you out. hold on to things as offense, you'll be quick to uncover your spouse. That's how Adam and Eve got into trouble in the first place, right? We uncovered. don't need that. Uncovered. uncovered. Yeah. So number five, suppressing. Yeah. Suppressing is when we have conflict that goes unresolved, things that continue to happen. And it, expressing how we feel is not what we lead with. Mm -hmm. We basically take those things, we stuff them way down deep inside, and then we do not talk about it. The thing is, is that this is something that we had um, that was going on between us at a season in our life. And the thing was, is that I was suppressing my emotion. He wasn't showing me any attention. He wasn't listening to where I was at. He was very involved in work. He could care less what was happening with me. And that's how the enemy tricks us. How many of you know that you'll get set up for a fail if you allow the enemy to trick you in this way? Mm -hmm. 
for me, what was happening was I was busy with work too, so rather than having the communication that I needed here, I decided I'm just gonna throw myself into my work, no problem. So I had a client, we were busy doing things, we were out and about, everything seemed like it was legit and on the up and up, and we would talk and text and communicate back and forth. He was a divorced man who his wife had cheated on him. And so there would be times when he would confide in me about how he felt about his ex-wife and how that was. And I could understand because we had had that experience already. I was unfaithful early on in our relationship. And from that standpoint, she had healed and thought she had completely healed, but there still was some things that had been suppressed that hadn't been brought to the surface. And so now she's navigating through someone that can identify with what she's navigating through, what she's going through. And so. How many of you know that there'll be a familiar spirit that could come along and attack you, right? So here I am consoling him and then I realize that I haven't really quite healed from that. And so we become emotionally connected and I become vested in the conversation, texting and talking. And pretty much after a while, we have this emotional relationship. We'll call it a friendship, but what happens is, is that I become so emotionally invested, I'm now confiding in him instead of confiding in my spouse. Mm -hmm. Problem is, is that this is not how God designed it. And so what happens is, is he basically comes at me and says, hey, I think you're having an affair with this guy. I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not having an affair with that. And he accused me and I was like, okay, guess what? Well, if I'm getting accused of it anyways, I might as well do it, right? That's the punk move. And that's how the enemy punked me in a big, big way. And so guess what? I fell into a, something that was an emotional affair, fell into an actual affair. And the truth is, the enemy was setting me up all along. It, shame, condemnation, mm-hmm. uh, suicidal thoughts, everything you could think of came. It came at me like a flood. And all of it was to undermine our marriage, our children. Do you know that none of those children would exist? In that picture we showed you. In that you. picture that we showed you. The reason we share our family with you is because I want you to know, Sydney was the only one that existed at that point. This is the problem. This is where the enemy tries to play you. Mm-hmm. He tries to cheat you out of your legacy. And that's what he tried to do with me. The beautiful part is, is that God is a redeemer and a restorer. And I was able to give him those things. And I tell you those things because I can assure you that someone in this room right now is having conversations via text, via phone, at work. Have you ever had somebody say, oh, is that your work wife or your work husband? Don't allow that. That's the, that is the trick of the enemy. Because guess what? It's saying that someone else can take the place of what God has ordained. Mm -hmm. Don't allow it. Don't allow the punk move to come. That's good. And God restored our marriage and and he gave us our legacy and we're able to now have the experience that we went through. uh, But now to be talking about it and be able to share, not just for married couples, but for those that are going to be married, to put those things in place so you can start challenging yourself now to be able to know, hey, this is what I want. These are the things that I want to put in place. Um, And we share these things, these personal experiences, uh, because we want to show you that God can turn failure into faithfulness. Amen. And he can turn uh, your tragedies into triumph. And from that standpoint, he did it for us. So he he did it for us for and he'll do it for you. And we want to say, you know, Kristen, you said that there are men and women who are on all our campuses. There are men and women in this room right now. And you are currently involved uh, in extramarital affairs. You're in a place where you're having an emotional affair. You can be in a physical affair, but I want you to know that God 
doesn't just want you to listen today. He wants you to hear him today. He's giving you a way out. He wants you to be healed. He doesn't want you to be in that stronghold. He doesn't want you to be held captive to that. You think you're holding on to something. It ain't, you're not holding on to it. It's holding on to you. And we just want you to see that if you're willing to give it to God, God will take it and he can heal and he can restore your marriage. He can restore your relationship. The sixth thing that does not resolve conflict is something called self-serving. Self-serving. Self-serving basically says, I'll serve my own needs. I'll take care of me. And by doing that, you can uh, get into all types of different things, bad relationships, pornography, um, uh, all types of selfish things that because you're not getting that from a spouse or not getting that from a friendship or relationship, it leads you down a pathway into things that you don't want to be involved in. And so from that standpoint, self-serving is not a good thing for you to, to do. Number seven, subject hopping. Yeah. You have to stay on topic. When you're having a conversation or you're having a conflict, you want to hop from topic to topic. Well, you did this and this and this and this. Stay on point. Whatever the issue is at hand, let's deal with the issue that's at hand. Yeah. We don't want to jump all over the place because it makes you feel schizophrenic. When you've been when you're listening doing or all when those receiving. other things, when you've been suppressing and, and silence, you're doing all those other things. Now you get to the place and why you didn't do this? Why you didn't take that out? And you're all mad over not taking something out. It's like, wait a minute, what's the real issue here? Issue is something that was tucked way down months and months or even years ago that you did not resolve. And so now these little things have become really, really big things. And ultimately, it just leads to confusion. God's not in confusion. God's in the, the business of peace and restoration. Yeah. Understand? Sometimes you're dealing with the symptoms. You need to be dealing with the sickness. You want Amen. to get to the root of the issue. Now we told you a lot of things of what not to do. Now we want to give you some things to do, some Woo! things that you can be able to do uh, uh, in, to help resolve conflict in your relationships, in your friendships, and in your marriage. The first thing you want to do is speak. Speak. The Word of God tells us in Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. True story. Speaking simply means use kind words. Yeah. It turns away wrath. It is imperative that in our relationships, in our marriages, that we speak kind words to our spouse. And that only means that when, when, the, when you're heated, you don't just want to speak. If you got to speak at the heat of, in, in the heat of the moment, don't speak at the heat of your temperament. Amen. Sometimes you got to calm, calm your little self down. Sometimes you need to take a break Time out. before you go into that conversation. <laughs> but let me just say this. When you get silent, uh, understand that uh, don't mistake silence for kindness. Mm. Don't think just because I'm being silent that I'm being kind. That's not true. You got to understand men, especially our women love to talk. They need to talk. They need they to do. communicate. And so they when you that. go silent, when you go dark and you brooding and you just walk around, you teaching her a lesson by being silent. Listen, it's not kind yeah. and it doesn't help. Amen. Yeah. Number two, surpass. Surpass. Surpass means to exceed or to go further or to go beyond, right? And so we have to go beyond what we would normally do and make concessions for that. Mm -hmm. Don't let yourself shut down. Don't intentionally allow your spouse to feel left out or not be heard. The other thing is that we have to be intentional about the things that we say. One of the things that we learned to do was to put another chair in the building, in the room, whether it's in your kitchen, whether it's in your bedroom, whatever that looks like. Really, this represents that the Holy Spirit sits in this seat. If God is sitting in this seat and I am speaking to his son, exactly what will I say or not say or what tone I won't take? Because here's the thing, 
He is actually sitting there and he is actually listening to everything that you're saying. And what I want you to know is, I'm not gonna say anything to him. I'm not gonna talk crazy to him when his dad's in the building. It's just not gonna happen. Yeah, and let me just say this because you, you said a good thing right there. God is in the room. Holy Spirit is there. He's our father. You gotta get this. This is my wife, but this is God's daughter before it's my wife. Some of you, you are talking to your wife like she's just your wife and not like that's God's daughter. My wife's father is here today and I would not talk to her any kind of way, especially if I know he's in the room. You bet not. Because the wrath of a father <laughs> coming down on a son of, and for the women out there, I'm telling you, you talking to your husband some kind of way and giving Ooh. him this or that or the other as though his dad, listen, that's God's that. son before that's your husband. Yeah. And sometimes you just need a gentle reminder that daddy is in the room. Put it at the dinner table, put it in the bedroom, sit a literal chair there because, hey, newsflash, God is actually in, in the, the room. room. Number three, share. Share. It's super important that we share instead of storehousing. Yeah. We have to share our frustrations with one another. I said share, I did not say nag. Jesus, say that again. I said share, not nag. Don't nag. This is the thing, they can't hear us when we nag. It's like a, what do they say, a, a dripping Foss sound on a, a on, a on a tin roof. Ugh, annoying. Yeah. So this is the thing, we have to get over it. That's what we think, right? That's not right. We don't get over it, we have to get through it. Yeah, and let Does me just say sense? this, let me say this. The only thing worse than a nagging wife is a nagging husband. Amen. Bless the That'll Lord. That'll preach anyhow. Some of y'all mad. It's okay. All right. Number four. Number four, submit. submit. You want to submit. Submit basically says, hey, conflict is going to come. Um, can you submit that issue to God first before you submit it to your spouse? Listen, y'all got stuff y'all need to talk about. You got some issues, some challenges that are bigger than y'all are. So can you give that to God first to be able to then take it to your spouse because the reality is this, this conflict that you might be in, the conversation that needs to take place, maybe it's you. Yes. And maybe God needs to deal with you first before you take it to them and you can give it to him and he may give you the grace and the mercy needed to know how to approach your spouse or your friends to be able to navigate through that. Or if it is them, he'll also give you the grace and the mercy to know how to be able to deal with what they may need from you to be able to navigate through that situation. Number five. Surface. Surface. Let the issues that you're having come out as opposed to stuffing them down inside. Because anything that doesn't, isn't allowed to come to the surface and it gets stuck down inside, it grows. Yeah. It germinates. It becomes actual nasty Nastiness. Yeah. That gets down in your soul. And the thing is, is that whatever you put inside and you don't talk about, you stuff it down, stuff it down, stuff it down, and you literally explode on them. You didn't take out the trash. He's like, Okay, like, yeah. really? And the thing is, is that it's not about the trash. It's about the issue that we had last week that I didn't resolve, right? Mm -hmm. So it's important that we make sure that we allow those things to come to the surface and let them skim off, the nastiness skim off so the good and pure thoughts and the lovely thoughts can come forth, right? Yeah, we release it to God first before exploding on our spouse. That's what you're trying to do. You wanna make sure you release it first to God before you explode on your friends and, and uh, put those things out there that don't need to be there. Uh, number six is spouse serving. Rather than being self-serving, 
You want to be spouse serving. And here's what I would say, and this is good for the singles out there. I want you to know this. Um, of all the years that Kristen and I have, have uh, dealt with married couples and, and counseled and give biblical guidance and all that, I can tell you to this day, we have never, ever, 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 ever seen a marriage fail where a husband and a wife were both trying to outserve each other. True story. I'm going to say that again. When a man is going after God, a woman is going after God, and then they are now intentionally trying to outserve each other. We have never seen it happen. We've seen people get selfish and one person is doing more than the other. But when both are determined, you're not going to outserve me. You're not going to outdo me. You're not going to outlove me. When you do that, we've never seen it happen. We've never seen that fail. And so understand that that's, a, that's just a beautiful thing. I was with this uh, Uber driver coming back from the airport. Uh, and it was funny because he's telling me, you know, I made some bad decisions. I gambled and I used to do this. And maybe I spent some money I shouldn't have. And my wife just don't believe in me no more. And she don't this and she don't that. And he's going in. And so... I basically asked him, I said, hey, uh, do you love your wife? He said, yeah. I said, do you want to save your marriage? He said, yeah. I said, "Uh, can you place her happiness above your own? And he said, what do you mean? And I said, what I mean is, can you place her hopes, her dreams, her desires above your own? And he said, well, I don't think I can do that. And I said, then you probably won't stay married. That's what I said to him. And he said it just like that. And that's what I'm saying to you today. This is your Uber moment. If you cannot see yourself putting your spouse above yourself, laying down your life the way Christ did for the church, if you can't see that happening, chances are you're going to have a whole lot of difficulty. Y'all got to understand, being great doesn't always mean being first. Amen. Sometimes you get to open the doors. You get to pull out the chairs. You get to do the things so that you have to decrease yourself so that God can increase in you and you'll be able to better serve your spouse and better serve in your relationships and in your friendships. Absolutely. Number seven, spotlight. Mm -hmm. Allow the Holy Spirit to spotlight the issue so that you may gain clarity and understanding and ultimately healing. It's always better that we invite the Lord into an issue and have him try to help us resolve it, right? We must grow better so that we don't become bitter. That's right. Spotlight says, Holy Spirit, what's hidden, Shine a light on it so we can bring it up and get it out and so we can all be healed. Now, listen, y'all. Every day, though, you have to ask yourself, like, Lord, what's in me that I need to change? What's in me that I can do better for him? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And get it. We, communication for us has been a cornerstone of what has made our marriage work and yeah. now going on almost 25 years of marriage. And we learned a lot of this the hard way. And so we're sharing it with y'all just so you don't have some of the pitfalls. Uh, they say had. a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. A fool likes to learn from his own. We're just trying to give you some tools uh, to be wise uh, on today. And so uh, let me just uh, uh, close by saying this. I want to pray over, over two things. Um, you know, the scripture tells us that, uh, I think there's a scripture in Hebrews. and I Hebrews think my, 13 and 5. Yeah, we, it we, says this, and be content with whatever you have, for it is said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. That's right. When Jesus promises that he will never leave you and never forsake you, that's in the good times, but that's also in the bad times. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. He's not that kind of guy. Yeah, that's right. God says that in our weakness, he's actually made strong. 
And that's what we want. We want the opportunity that, you know, you can, you can think communication in our relationship may not be good. Com- communication in our friendships may not may be not solid be with my spouse. It may not be good. But here's the good news about that. God says that's a, that can be a good thing because you be strong in the areas that God has designed you to be strong. And then in the areas where you're feeling weak, God says, hey, that's where I get to come in and I get to be God. Some of y'all are too busy trying to be God as opposed to being spouse or as opposed to being friend or supposed to being family. Stop trying to be God. God says, I got that on my own. Because listen, if you were capable of doing it and changing it and fixing it, wouldn't you have done it by now? Think about it. God wants to be that. And so today, I want to say two prayers over us. The first one is going to be uh, one uh, for our singles out there that are looking uh, uh, to know what God has for them. Uh, I know God and I truly believe that God has the person that he is designing for you. Uh, He had said that it's not good for man or woman to be alone. And so I believe that he has that for you. We want to pray over the couples out there. I don't care if you've been married 30, 40 years or just been married a little over a year or a couple of weeks. It doesn't matter. We want to pray over you that conflict will come, but we want you to allow God to come into that, into your communication, into your daily lives so that he's there alongside of you. And you realize uh, it's about oneness, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He wants to come alongside you like that and help strengthen your marriage and help strengthen your relationships and your friendships. So I'm going to say this prayer over you. And then there's one other prayer that I want to pray. But uh, so here and on all our campuses, if you'll just bow your head, Uh, Heavenly Father, we come to you for every single God. Uh, every person uh, that understands uh, who you are and as they draw closer to you, Father, that they are running after you, that they will realize that you've created somebody who is also running after you at the same pace that they are. And I just ask you for courage uh, that they just seek you continually for who you are uh, to grow closer to you, Father, and what you have for them. God, I come to you right now on behalf of the couples who are here, the married couples who who have good marriages, those who have great marriages, and those who are on the rocks. God, I come to you right now for those that have the divorce papers already filled out and they just haven't served them yet. I I pray for the couple, Father, that's already thrown in the towel. And today you are saying, don't just listen to me, hear me. And you're actually throwing the towel back in the ring saying, no, it's not over. God, I pray for the couples that are ready to abort a mission uh, that you have really been ready to give birth to in there. You want to do a miracle in them, Father. And so right now we invite the Holy Spirit into our relationships, into our communication, into our conflict. We invite you in, God, to say, and have your way and make it what you need it to be to show us that in our weakness, you are made strong. And we believe you and we trust you, God. And we seek to outserve each other in this relationship, chasing after you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Here's the last thing I want to do before we um, uh, are adjourned today and, and, and we're sent out into the world to do what God has called us to do. Um, Kristen and I, we've had a very, very good music career. We've done some really good things in life. We've made some good decisions. Um, but I want you to know the best decision that I've ever made, made millions of dollars, done a lot of different things. The best decision that I've ever made was receiving Jesus Christ into my life. I can say that hands down. I've done a lot of things. I've traveled the world. I've had things. Some of y'all very well done a lot of things. Best decision I've ever made was giving my life completely over to Jesus. And I want to say that is in this message, we talked about broken relationships and friendships, broken communications with a spouse. Some of you may be here today and you're realizing, yeah, I've got broken relationship and broken communication and fractured relationships, but it's not with a human. It's actually with God. Maybe my relationship with God is broken. 
Maybe my communication with God is fractured. And I want you to know today that God is here and he is not turning from you. He's turning toward you today saying, even if you turned away from me, I did not turn away from you. I am here for you right now to fix that breach and to bring us back closer in proximity together today. And I just want to say this to you. My life changed because somebody made an offer to me that I could not refuse. And because it was so good, I just want to make sure that I give you that same offer. And it's simply this, whether you're here or if you're on one of the other campuses uh, today, I want you to not listen to me. I want you to hear God. I believe that if there is someone here today or someone on any of our campuses, someone here, you know God is speaking to you. The question would be this. If you were to go to bed tonight and you were to lay your head on your pillow and you were to close your eyes to go to sleep and you were to take your last breath, when you woke up on the other side of eternity, would there be a loving kind father, a God there to greet you and say, you have done so well, my son, you've done so well, my daughter, welcome home. Or would you wake up on the other side of eternity to a loving, kind God, father there waiting for you who would say, I'm sorry, I don't know you. If you can't answer that question, I'm talking to you right now. Would everybody please bow your heads and close your eyes. God, there is a difference between knowing you and being known by you. And today we cannot just continue going on in our life saying we know about you. We know the Bible stories. We've heard about you, this or that. And you don't actually know us. That stops today. And God, I believe that there is one of your people here, there is a son, there is a daughter on some campus that doesn't realize that they're your son or they're your daughter. And today you're pursuing them and you're calling them to come back home. You are saying, you are my son, you are my daughter. You knew it before you came to this service. You felt it in the worship. You've heard it in the message. And I need you to stop listening and now I need you to hear me. Today is your day. And so if you know that God is speaking to you, whatever campus you're on, if you're here in this room, I just want you to just acknowledge that if God is speaking to you today saying, I want you to come home, maybe you gave your life to Jesus before and you're walking in a way of sin right now and you're just apart from Jesus, but you want to come home, whether you want to come home or you've never even received Jesus. uh, uh, The word of God tells us that if you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that he died and that he rose again, you would be saved. And I want you to see that father face to face, welcoming you, saying, good job, I'm super proud of you. If that's you today and you want to make that decision today, that God would receive you on this day, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'm going to ask you to be courageous and I'm going to ask you to stand up. No matter what campus you're on, if you know God is speaking to you saying, hey, I want you to come home today. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to be courageous on the count of three. One, two, three. Come on, if that's you, stand up on your feet. If that's you, I see you. I see you. God bless you. God bless you. Remain standing. If that's you, 